This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So uh, Seniors Master Sergeant Israel Del Toro Jr. retired, is now unretired, back in action. He's the author of Patriot's Promise, Protecting My Brothers, Fighting for My Life, and Keeping My Word. Uh, Sergeant uh, uh, Del Toro, welcome back. Welcome to Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure and honor. Well, I mean, to put your life story together is unbelievable. It's going to be a great movie if anyone has any brain in their head that is a producer with some financing. But uh, maybe first off, uh, with the amount of what you've already done and experienced in the military, what really pushed you to break precedent, 100% disabled, to go back in? Well, you know, people kept asking me when I was during my recovery, you know, when I woke up, they said my military career was over. And and they're like, what, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to continue serving. They're like, why? I was like, because I started to do public speaking, and they will say, well, public speakers make good money, and they do. You know, some speakers, you know, can make up to six figures for a 45-minute to an hour speech. And, and I, I would just tell them, it's like, there's thousands of people out there that make great money, and they hate their job. So why am I going to give up a job that I love? I love serving my country. I love being in the Air Force. I love being an operator, you know, tech T. So why am I going to give that up for a couple bucks? And, and that's what I did, you know, when they came back and gave me the option of of staying in to re-enlist, I, I jumped on, um, on the opportunity. I was like, yes, I want to stay in. So let's tell your story. Uh, you had a horrific upbringing. First year, dad dies suddenly, right? Yes, sir. How, how old were you at the time? I was 12 years old uh, when my dad passed away. What did it do to your family? Uh, well, you know... Uh, well, it, it it crushed us, you know. It really it crushed me, but uh, I think it affected my mom the most. Uh, you know, I like in the book, I talk how she lost her way uh, and how I try to bring her back and to focus on, you know, on us, you know, and trying to continue to honor my that promise I made to my dad the night before he passed. You know, take care of your family and and you know, unfortunately. One time, you know, she really gave it to me and, and, and threatened me, saying, if you continue to do the way you're doing, uh, I'll send you to a boarding school and you'll never see your brothers and sisters again. And, you know, uh, that's when I realized, well, I'll focus on my brothers and sisters and I'll try once in a while to try and bring my mom back. But, you know, it, it just didn't right. work because a year and a half later after my dad passed, you know, she was killed uh, by a drunk driver. Everybody handles grief differently. For her, it was to find another guy, dated all her friends, and finally with an 18-year-old, they're riding on a motorcycle. She's not wearing a helmet. He does. He goes into a coma. She goes into a coma, horrifically injured. The last thing she said to you was ask for M&Ms. You couldn't give it to her. That's the last thing you've ever heard her say. And she passes away. You find yourself the oldest in your family. And they didn't even want to tell you your mom was in an accident, right? I mean, they, they, you weren't old enough for them to tell you. They had to call another adult. Cops had to come into your house and call another adult to tell them to tell you. Yeah, that, that, that was tough. You know, when they, they came knocking on the door, like, take out, I want to say it was like about 
three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. And an officer asking, is it your mom? Is this uh, Maria Del Toro's home? I was like, yes, sir. I was like, is she home? I was like, I think so. Can you check? You know, I go check. and like, no. I was like, well, do you have someone you can call? And, uh, you know, I'm asking what's going on. You know, cause I'm, you know, I had just, you know, I was about to graduate eighth grade. Uh, and, you know, so I was 14. And they're like, well, we need to talk to an adult. And they made me call. Um, I think it was my aunt I called. Right. And and they told her, and they wouldn't tell us anything until my, my aunt and my grandparents came to the house. And that's what they told us. And when when she gets buried, you, you stay at the grave, and you're furious at her because now uh, you were mad, and I don't blame you. You're like, you know, I tried to get you to to rein your mom in. You know, you tried to rein in, now I'm stuck. I'm going to have to raise a family. But in comes your her father to raise you guys, right? And he's yeah. extremely strict. Yeah, but, you know, my, my grandpa was very old-fashioned. You know, he's two generations behind. He was that generation that believed, you know, the boys were outside doing the work, and, and the girls did not do sports. They stayed home and cooking clean. And it was tough for especially my sister that followed me because she was into sports. She was a volleyball player, and and trying to be the mediator between that. It it was tough, you know. So so you also had had a... So meanwhile, you have this tension at home. You're trying to be the leader. You also try to get your life together. You're determined you're going to go to college, University of Illinois. Your teacher tells you, your counselor says, you're not going to go there. Go to a community school. Not only do you go there, you get a a full scholarship, and you're going, and you go in there, and you put that that acceptance (laughs) and that scholarship in front of them, and you said, and you use an expletive, and you got suspended, but it was worth it, right? <laughs> I got a month's worth of attention. Yeah, most people don't realize that. You know, I went to a, a Catholic school, so my counselor was a, a priest. So, yeah, oh, I didn't know it, that. It was so worth it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was so worth it. Was so worth a month long too, just to prove wrong. Because I never accepted what people say my life was going to be. I choose what my life's going to be. You know, and, and and nothing's wrong with a junior college, but I always wanted to go so to University of yeah. Illinois, and 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 to prove them wrong, it was a, it was worth that month long detention. But you're not able to go. Uh, in the end, you had to take care of your family. Your your father, your grandfather has a stroke, uh, and you pretty much got to take care of the family. And you give up that college education and start working and supporting the family. And you must be like, what is going on with my life? Am I star crossed or what? Am I cursed? Yeah, yeah. For a long time, you know, I, I thought I was cursed because any time I was on a high, uh, Brian, I just, I just got knocked back back down, and I did. I was like, "Why is this happening? Why, why are you challenging me?" You know, you know, asking, asking God, "Why are you challenging me?" I'm, I'm, I'm only at the, the time, you know, I was what twenty years old, and I was like, and I'm going through all this, and like, what's going on? And you know, maybe he had a plan. He was getting me ready for. The day I got hurt and and prepare me. Uh, so you're watching the Air Force. You're watching an Air Force commercial. You have a one rare moment where you sit and watch television. You see it and you go, I'm joining. You know, my, my the youngest is 15. They can handle it. I'm going to join. And you join the Air Force. You talk about how tough it was, but you loved it, correct? I did. I, I really loved being an operator. You know, I grew up, we grew up in the generation of Rambo. You know, who didn't want to be, you know, Rambo, you know, you know, have the long hair, chiseled body, you know. Of course, now I don't have that long hair, and my son likes to say I have more of a dad bod than the chiseled body. But, you know, that's I wanted to be that guy. 
And that's why I joined, you know, my career field because you were that guy. You were making, calling in those airstrikes, you know, for for special operations, you know, right. for scout teams, you know, that I, I, that was who I wanted to be. But what, happen, but what happened in 2005? Uh, so 2005, you know, uh, December 4th, I was out on a mission with the scouts. And we had a high-value target. We had to capture a kill and a uh, uh, supply route that the Taliban was using that we had to des- destroy. And, you know, I've been out there a couple of days, and we're coming back to pick up the other half of our scout team. And no more than uh, 20 meters after crossing this creek do I feel this intense heat blast on my left side. And, and that's when I realized, holy crap, I just got hit by an IED. And it's funny, people talk about how your life flashes in front of you, and I never really believed that. But when I got hit, it was like a like a movie reel, you know, the old-time movie reels where you see images little by little. But for me, three distinct images were things that hadn't happened that were supposed to happen. Like me and my wife finally get married by the Catholic Church after our third attempt, because every time we tried, I had downrange. Uh, second one was us honeymooning in Greece because that's where she always wanted to go, which I still haven't done, so please don't remind her on that. <laughs> and, and lastly was, most importantly, was me teaching my son how to play baseball because I was a ball player. Right. You know, that was, and that was something I wanted to do. And, and that's something clicked in my head. So I was like, got to get out of this truck. Uh, but when I got out of the truck, I was you on were fire. On fire. You, the whole body. The whole body. And you couldn't get to the creek, right? I couldn't. I I ran, but the flames overtook me, and I collapsed, and I'm laying there and thinking, this is it. I broke my promise to my family that I always come back. I broke my promise to my son that I'll never let him grow up without his dad like I did. But most importantly, I'm breaking my promise to my dad that I always take care of my family. And that's when one of my teammates tells me up. It's like, DT, you're not dying here. And we both jumped in a creek, and the sound that I heard was the same sound you hear when you put a hot pan in cold water. But instead of a pan, it was my body. Wow. The pain must have been overwhelming. What do you remember next? Well, you know, it's funny. I didn't, didn't, the only thing I really hurt was like my leg. Uh, but, you know, as soon as I got hit, the, the second half of my team that we we're going to pick up, they get hit in a crossfire. And now they're calling back, asking for help. It's like, where's Gunslinger, which was my call sign at the time. We need cast, close air support. So I had to figure out what to do. You know, again, honoring that promise to my dad. You know, these are my, these are my brothers. My brothers, you know, I got to take care of them. So my radios that I had were destroyed. My backup radios were also in the truck that got destroyed. So luckily, one of my other teammates had a radio called an embitter. And I just told him, hey, get on this frequency and repeat everything I say so we can get help in here. So, so just to yeah. reframe this, by the way, I'm talking to Senior Master Sergeant Israel Del Toro. You've been burned from head to toe. You've jumped in yeah. a creek to put out the fire on your body, and you're still giving out commands. This is crazy. Yeah, you know, uh, at the time, you know, I, I was just, I was just trying to take care of my my, my guys. That's all, I, you know. Honored that promise. Uh, I didn't think nothing of it. Uh, you know, I remember the medic trying to take care of me, and I was like, "No, I'm okay, okay. Yeah, my leg hurts, but take care of Bailey, who was our gunner, who got thrown, out, blown out of the truck, and the truck had rolled over his legs. I was like, focus on him, so we can get help for our guys." Wow. And, 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 you know, I, I, I try to do that. And, and I'm not, I'll never be one to say that, you know, I had no fear. You know, when, once that last transmission went out, I, I guess the adrenaline started going down 
and I started having a hard time breathing, and I started getting scared. I was saying, hey, where's this medevac? Where's it at? And, and luckily, my, my, the medic, you know, saw my spark. I like to say we all have a spark that drives us. It's kind of funny saying the burn guy now saying that we all have a spark, but we do. And he knew my son was my spark, and he used that to keep me up until the, the helicopter medevac landed. And I remember they wanted to carry me. And I was like, oh, hell no. It's like I walked into this fight. You, I'm oh going to walk goodness. out. So you walk into and, the fight, and, and they put you, because I don't want to cut you off, but we've got a couple of minutes left. When yeah. They put you in a, a coma. And then you find out President Bush came to your side at Walter Reed? Yeah, yeah. you know, he, they put me in a coma. I was at BAMS, the Book Army Medical Center. I never got, never got to okay. go to Walter Reed. But, but yeah, you know, uh, well, I didn't know. I was in a coma until... I saw one of the guys getting a Purple Heart, and I was like, hey, did I ever get my Purple Heart? And they're like, you did? I'm like, well, when did that happen? I was like, well, it happened around, you know, January time frame. And I was like, well, who gave it to me? It's like President Bush. I'm like, man, I wish I could have remembered that. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was cool, you know. My wife told me he, he stood in my room for 20 minutes talking to me, even though I don't remember any of it. That, that's amazing. So when you come out of your coma, your next big worry, they say you're going to be there for years. You're only there for, what, how long? So when I get out of coma, they tell me, you know, you're never going to breathe again. or You'll, you'll need a respirator for the rest of your life. I may not walk again, and I'll still be there for another year and a half, and my military career was over. Well, two months after they told me that, I left that hospital walking and breathing on my own. And then you worried. You worried about when your son sees you and you're burned and you look different now. What are you worried about? You know, it was, I call it my darkest hour. Because uh, I never wished to die until that day when I saw my face. Because when you're burned, they cover up the mirrors. And the day I saw myself, uh, my wife was helping me and my physical therapist was helping me. And I slipped and one of them put off the the tower off the mirror and I broke down and and it wasn't a vanity thing that I didn't look like myself anymore it was more that if at the time I was 30 years old if a 30 year old man thinks that he's a monster what's a three-year-old son gonna think you know he was my spark he was my everything and and it took like 45 minutes until you know Gary my therapist says DT all your son wants is his dad back that's all he cares about. And it calmed me down, but it was still in the back of my mind until the day I will see him. And what happened? Uh, when I finally saw him, you know, I walk in, and my wife says, Weddle, which is, you know, his nickname, they're like, hey, Bobby's here, and he comes running out. And I, he ran like a little penguin, and he, he comes out and sees me and stops. And all of a sudden, all this fear comes rushing back. It's like, oh, my God, he's terrified of me. And all he does is tilt his head to the side, looks at me, says, Bobby? I'm like, yeah, buddy. And comes up and gives me the most amazing hug I've ever had in my life. The most amazing moment besides seeing him being born. And I remember my wife's like, don't hurt your dad. I'm like, quiet, woman, let me hold my boy, because I hadn't seen him since August of 2005. Amazing. And Gary was right. All he wanted was his dad. He didn't care what his dad looked like. He just wanted his dad. So how that's amazing. That's the culmination. And where are you at today? Uh, well, you know, now I'm, I'm here. You know, I retired in 2019. You know, uh, 
living out here in Colorado Springs and and, and, and enjoying my ranch. You know, I'm on 35 acres. Yesterday, people asked me, DT, how are you celebrating the release of your book? I was like, well, and it kept, my phone just kept blowing up. And, and I was like, and I finally made a video. I was like, this is what I'm doing, how to celebrate. I'm out here on my tractor cutting the grass. <laughs> awesome. and, and that's just enjoying life right now, you know, hanging with my family, watching my son grow up and, and go out and do speaking engagements. Because right. uh, I feel, you know, sometimes people need to find their spark and Absolutely. they need it by hearing a story. And they can get it in your book, A Patriot's Promise. He's a recipient of Purple Heart, Bronze Star, the Pat Tillman Award for Service, and he's still serving. You have no excuses after you read the story of Israel Del Toro, Jr. Uh, it's an honor to talk to you, Israel. Thanks so much for your time. Congratulations on the book. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.